You're listening to Pulse Radio. I want to be the best. I want to be the best, simple and plain. That's why I play the game. And to be the best, you have to win. And that's what drives me. That's what drives me. He's the best player in the game. It's just that simple. There's nothing that Kobe Bryant can't do. He will defend your best player. He will shoot from the perimeter. He will get all of do whatever it takes he is the most complete basketball player in the game today. we have to start off like this he has an assassin's rest in peace Kobe Bryant this week's I said this when the trade went two years since he passed man again who's starving more it's crazy championship more than Kobe Bryant I will never ever forget January 26 2020 so we have to start off the right way blasting Lil Wayne Kobe let's get it Kobe Bryant there is no I wish I could let that whole thing play, man, because, man, when Lil Wayne performed this at the BET Awards, he performed it live, and the, the exclusive new verse that was a complete freestyle. First and foremost, it was such a tribute to Kobe Bryant and his family, but also it showed that Lil Wayne still has it. Lil Wayne hasn't lost it. He had a couple songs that were trash back in the day, but when Lil Wayne gets in his bag, he really wants to rap rap, he will rap rap, man. But what's going on, everybody? This is Randall Barnes, uh, the host of Pulse Radio in the building. Today is the 26th of January, 2022. It has been two years since the passing of Kobe and Gianna Bryant, and also those other passengers that were on the helicopter on that fateful day. I would never forget that day. Uh, I had just gone to the Honda Battle of the Bands and all the HBCU folks listening. I know you guys know about it. And I had such a great time at the Honda Battle of the Bands. And I was uh, working with my guy Ryan, who was going to be doing the Mr. HBCU competition. And I was gearing up to go to that. And, you know, Ryan had told me, because I was in the meeting at that point on a Sunday, Ryan texted me and said, bro, Kobe died. And literally, my whole world stood still, man, because I just couldn't fathom and couldn't, con couldn't conceive that Kobe, who honestly, at points in time, thought Kobe was invincible, man, with all he played through, all he endured. So just getting that news sombered me. And, man, that next day, uh, the 27th, as I was watching the sports coverage, because I always watch sports TV, and hearing, you know, first things first and undisputed and seeing Shannon Sharp on the verge of tears and Stephen A on first take being a shell of himself. Man, I cried, man, because it, it, it hurt so much because I grew up with Kobe. Like, I always rooted against the Lakers, and I'll, you know, expound on it more as I play uh, my tribute to him that I did in 2021. But it, it it hurt, man, because it's like you grew up with him, man. You know, so it was a lot. It, it's, st it's still hard to believe. I don't know if I would ever reconcile with the fact that Kobe is gone. I, I don't know if I would ever be able to do that. Like, for example, to me in my mind, like, one thing that just can't get in my mind, and, and you know, Bernie Mac passed away in 2008. When I watch the Bernie Mac show, it's like I can't get through my mind that he's gone. You know, so I, with Kobe, man, I don't think I ever will get over that one, man, to be to be 100% honest. But we honor his life. I'm going to play um, my commentary um, where I gave tribute to Kobe Bryant a year after his passing in 2021. Um, and we're going to do a special basketball episode on today. So we want to start off with that. Um, but if you listen to Pulse Sports uh, with Ariel and I, um, I give my NBA updates on Pulse Sports. So you already know what's going on. Uh, so make sure you stay tuned for that. 
I want to talk about a couple of things as we lead into trade deadline and also the NBA All-Star break. And this is a special Kobe Bryant-inspired basketball episode, right? So first and foremost, I need y'all to put some respect on the Hawks. Four-game win streak. Give y'all a sneak peek into my NBA update. You'll be able to hear on the full episode of Post Sports. The game of the weekend for me is on Friday. It's the Celtics versus the Lakers. The Celtics have been struggling. Now, I think they're starting to get their groove back. They just mollywopped the Kings. It was only one play on the Kings with double figures, and I believe that person was Buddy Heald. Everyone else had single figures in the game, and both Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum scored 30-plus. Like, the Celtics dismantled the Kings. I hope they realize that they're not going down to the Hawks like that. They're not going to Atlanta. And you got Jalen Brown that's from Marietta. That's almost like his homecoming. Listen, they ain't going down in Atlanta, man. The Hawks are playing way better. The Hawks are one of my favorite teams. Trey Young made me believe last year. And I've always really been a fan of Trey Young. But we already know with Bally Sports not being on YouTube TV, nor can I watch the Hawks games because they're blacked out. I've not been able to really follow the team and see their growth. But what I saw last year gave me that love for the Hawks again as a Georgian. I used to love the Hawks back in the Josh Childress, Joe Johnson, Josh Smith days, Mike Bibby in, out here in the world, man. Like I used to be a fan of the Hawks back then, but really not being able to watch them anymore. It's sort of like it sort of escaped me to a point. Um, but you need to watch out from the Hawks, man. The Hawks can go on a long streak. I'm in all these spaces with these Hawks fans and they're and the Hawks are very passionate, have a very passionate fan base and they believe that the Hawks can go on a crazy win streak. So I watch out for Trey because Trey's starting to figure it out. I hope that the trade rumors surrounding the Hawks because with John Collins possibly getting moved and them trying to get in the Ben Simmons sweepstakes and really John Collins being the only tangible asset that you're willing to trade to try to make something happen. John Collins is the heart and soul of the Hawks. He, I want him to be a Hawks lifer. I want him to be almost like the Draymond Green of the Hawks to trade Steph Curry. But I just don't know, man, because the Hawks need something because I believe they're on the precipice. When the Hawks had the number one seed back in 2015, I had a feeling that they weren't going to win. I just had a feeling, you know what I mean? Like where like I know that the Hawks had a great team. Mike Boonehoser was coaching the board as well, and they had a well-rounded team, and they all were putting it together. But I didn't believe them as a possible contender to LeBron in the East. And God forbid them going to play the Warriors in the finals. I didn't see that for them. But with Trey Young, who's a certified superstar, and then like you have players that can ball on the Hawks. It's just Nate McMillan has not been putting the lineups together to make the like make the team productive. I believe the Hawks are a contender. They can they 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 are a fringe contender. I believe that if they get the right pieces, they get another star, whether in free agency or through trade, to play alongside Trey Young or DeAndre Hunter grows into that Kawhi Leonard comp I keep hearing. Because I hear Patrick Williams and I hear DeAndre Hunter. Those are the two folks that people believe that could turn into the all-new Kawhi Leonard. That's their development track, right? So if that's the case, he can give you great elite defense and put the ball in the bucket that might be Trey's second star but I just think y'all need to fill out the team with more vets y'all need a couple of more vets that can be productive y'all need more Lou William types because Lou Williams can go get you a bucket he's a vet he can lead the locker room lead the team leave those Solomon Hill glue guys alone 
Y'all need productive vets, and y'all need to make a splashy signing. Maybe if James Harden comes up, we know James Harden is having some issues, you know, quote-unquote issues in Brooklyn because he swears up and down that's not the case. But maybe you get James Harden or try to get somebody splashy in free agency to, to get alongside Trey. And I think that the Hawks will be right up there in, in the talks, but I think they're fringe contenders. Because you can never sleep on a team with a superstar like Trey Young that can score, but also make his teammates better. So I have to start off showing love to the Hawks. But I have to get on the NBA for a second, right? I have to get on them. Because, you know, we do post sports. And Ariel and I talk a lot of football, and I've gotten back in the game. And I've actually started to really enjoy football. Uh, I think I'm a late bloomer to that, right? And I always say that the reason why I'm not as big of a football fan as others is because the video game revolution, I was playing 2K and NBA Live. That was what I was playing. Like Madden, I had Madden, but I always lost in Madden because I didn't truly understand football. And I know the purpose of Madden to a point and what John Madden, may he rest in peace, like what he wanted Madden to be was an educator almost. You're playing this simulation game and you're learning the game. You're learning the offensive schemes. You're learning the coverages. You're learning the penalties. You're learning what to do and not to do. So I understand that that was the purpose of what Madden was supposed to be, but it never really hit me the way the NBA 2K did or NBA Live did. Playing online on NBA Live 09 and getting 2K 11, which I played until I got the Xbox Series S. I played it literally for, for almost, what, two years. So I was like, you know what, let me update and just get Xbox Series, Series S and then just play 2K 22. But football is great, I must admit. And they are the number one sport in America. And it pains me to admit it because I'm such an NBA fan and I want to say the NBA is the best sport in the world. But I have to report the facts. The NFL killed it this past weekend. They had probably their best weekend of football ever. And the Chiefs versus the Bills that resulted in a 42 to 36 overtime win for the Chiefs on a game winning touchdown with Patrick Mahomes through the game winning touchdown in overtime to Travis Kelsey that then ignited a debate about changing the overtime rules where both teams see the ball in overtime. That was epic. That was a moment. We all were like, on, our, on the edge of our seats or standing up trying to see who is going to take it because we all believe that whoever won that game with the Bills and the Chiefs, they were going to win the Super Bowl. And it's time will tell. We'll see. But it was amazing. It was a sense of urgency that I felt that, to be honest, the NBA doesn't possess. The NBA is paling in comparison to football. And it pains me to say it. You, you know, I don't want to say this. I'm such a basketball fan. I've Love basketball my whole entire life. And the only time that I slept on basketball was I literally went to sleep on the 2014 NBA Finals, like game one. And I sort of just, in my mind, just didn't watch that finals. I had a feeling the Heat were going to lose that one. And then, like, that 2015 season, was it 2014, 2015, I, I guess, maybe around that season, I wasn't paying attention until the playoffs. But ever since then, I've been locked in. I had that moment when I was a child, then that little impasse for a few months, not really being connected with the NBA, and I've been on it since twenty, since probably April, May 2015. I've been on it, and I've been an ardent NBA fan for the past seven years, seeing the ebbs and flows, up, ups and downs, a part of NBA Twitter, all these different things, right? But the NFL is a better product than the NBA. And it's a reason why. It's a reason why... For a divisional round 
NFL game that the Chiefs and the Bills had 43 million viewers, the most for the NFL in five years. And this was the most watched TV program on any network since the Super Bowl. One of only three programs, and the other two owned by the NFL, that topped over 40 million views since the Super Bowl last year that also featured Patrick Mahomes. Meanwhile, on MLK Day, the NBA is struggling to get 1 million views for their marquee TNT games that were always sort of the, the crowning achievement, like the big thing we were waiting for for MLK Day, like the tributes to Martin Luther King Jr., but also those basketball games. And it was a good game with the Bucks and the Hawks. It cracked 1 million, but it wasn't a steady 1 million because you had the Cardinals versus the Rams, even though it was a complete blowout where the Rams beat the Cardinals in that wild card game. Football split that viewership. It's been sort of a decline in, in NBA viewership. And the main reason why is because there's not a sense of urgency. I believe that one of the reasons why there's not a sense of urgency anymore until the playoffs is that the importance of regular season games are soured. Low management caused that with Kawhi Leonard. But also, what also caused it was players just admitting, man, I don't, get, I don't, I don't care about the regular season. I'm just coasting, doing my thing, hope we get a good spot, but I'm going to lock in in the playoffs. It's an 82-game season. You play from mid-October to early April. You play for that series of months, 82 games. There's only, what, there's now 18 in football because they added, you know, the, the week 18 showdowns. Playoffs are expanded. So you have more football for America, and every game is a sense of urgency, especially as you get towards the middle of the season, because now they're fighting for the playoff lives. The Falcons were in it. The Saints were in it. You, you have the Chargers that were in it. And it went down to the Chargers. The Chargers and the Raiders, their last game of the season, it went down to overtime and a field goal. The Raiders kicked the field goal. The Chargers are out the playoffs, and it had the sports world on fire. It was a sense of urgency that the NBA doesn't have. People say, oh, it's play. Oh, the players are leaving. The robberies don't hit the same. That's true. There aren't any good robberies. There's not a Falcons versus Saints rivalry in the NBA right now. There's not a 49ers versus Rams rivalry in the NBA right now. They just had a great game to end off the season. Now they're playing in the NFC Championship. So now it's reignited from the regular season now to the championship. The Bills and the Patriots had a bit of a rivalry. They played twice in the regular season. Then they met in the playoffs, and the Bills blew the doors off of Bill Belichick and Mac Jones and them. But still, it was a storyline that we were ready for. We were ready to see it. In the NBA, we don't have that. The closest you got is maybe the Hawks and the Knicks because the, the historic rivalries don't matter. Like Lakers, Celtics, who cares about that? The Celtics have not been all that great recently. The Lakers are struggling. That one game, LeBron had just come back, and LeBron was looking good, but they lost. That second game, the Lakers figured it out, and they blew out the Celtics, who have been struggling. So the Lakers-Celtics rivalry, that ain't nothing right now. Even Lakers-Spurs, the Spurs suck right now. Sun-Spurs, Suns suck right now. 76ers-Celtics, the 76ers have been doing surprisingly well. The Celtics aren't doing all that great. Bulls-Celtics, the Celtics are not keeping up with the pace of the Bulls, who have actually had a pretty good season. 
So those historic rivalries aren't there. But even for player versus player, Allen versus Mahomes is what we all were looking forward to in that divisional game, the Bills versus the Chiefs. The closest we have is the Bucks and the Nets with Giannis versus KD. But you got to realize Kyrie's a part-time player, so he might not play. And then James Harden, has been rumors that he wants out. Oh, he denies them, as he should. It's rumors that he's going to test free agency. He hasn't really been feeling what's going on. He hasn't been feeling the fact that Kyrie's a part-time player, although he denies those reports. Got to bring that up. So you won't even get the full strength nets. That game seven with Giannis versus KD, one of the best games I've ever seen. They stepped up. It was literally a one-on-one matchup because James Harden was basically a spectator. <laughs> at that point. And then Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton were spectating too. But that sense of urgency wasn't seen in some of these other games. And these regular season games, a lot of them have been duds. And I think that the reason why there's no rivalries, like I said, the Falcons and the Saints, the 49ers and the Rams, or even Allen and Mahomes, or Allen versus Mac Jones, or Allen versus Belichick's defense, or you had the storyline of Brady versus Belichick, is because the NBA has not been placing a focus on rivalries And there's not an importance on divisions. Even these divisional games, like where the Lakers play the Warriors, they're in the same division. The Hawks play the Heat. Although those games were good, they're in the same division. The Celtics and the 76ers, they're in the same division. There's not really a lot of heat or pressure with them. And those games are just basically meaningless because they're just regular regular games. That Falcons-Saints game, for example, that game had a lot of implications because the the Falcons won that game later on in the season. They could have prevented the Saints from making the playoffs. Now, the Saints ended up not making the playoffs still, and Sean Payton decided to resign. But that regular season game where we knew the Falcons weren't going to make it, the Saints had a chance. The, 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 the thought of the fan base was that the Falcons are going to ruin the Saints' playoff chances because those are our rivals. There's not any divisional rivalries in basketball right now. And the reason why is because the NBA had a change in in the divisional structure for the playoffs. So they changed it so the best two teams in each conference, they won't meet until the conference finals. So you want your two best teams. If it's a one and a two, you want them to meet in the conference finals, not the semifinals. And also, they changed it so they can stop the, the incentivizing of teams tanking to play opponents they believe they can be. Now, we accused the Clippers of doing that last year because we believe that they didn't want that smoke with the Lakers, although I think that the Clippers probably would have beat the Lakers. I'm not going to lie to you. like Because the Lakers were, were injured. So we, we accused the Clippers of that, but we really don't know that. But according to the NBA, they made that change to where like the divisions have less of a priority on playoff standings because of the fact that people were tanking to try to get the right matchup. Now, the play-in is a great idea, and it's sort of a, a breath of fresh air, and it leads you to what the NBA is doing right and what the NBA can do to get right. The play-in added a wild card-esque element to basketball. And, of course, for the first play-in, the first real play-in, the 7-8 versus 9-10, you had the Warriors versus the Lakers because both of them had abysmal years. So you had LeBron versus Steph in the wild card. That's almost the equivalent of Allen versus Mahomes, but LeBron and Steph have more history because all the times they met in the finals. Then you ended up having Steph versus Ja. 
And that was actually a really good game where the Grizzlies pulled an upset, win or go home, almost like a game seven, and they made the playoffs. And they've been surging ever since. They put the world on notice. That's almost like a wild card structure, and that was exciting. What, what, a, what a lot of people were saying was that you can't expect for the Lakers and the Warriors to make the play in every year. Now, granted, the, the Lakers might make the play in again. <laughs> I'm just saying, the Lakers might make the play in again. I'm not going to hold you. They might make it again. All right? But we can't expect that. That's not a reasonable expectation. Because we expected for the Lakers to get better after healing from their injuries, and then they got Russell Westbrook. And they retooled their team. So we expected them to be at the very least a top four team, if not the best team in the West. And then the Warriors are not going to be in the play unless something just crazy happens. So people are saying, well, why do we want to watch the Timberwolves versus the Kings in the play-in? As they fight for a playoff berth just to lose to the number one seed and just to lose to the number two seed. But I think it's a start to move towards the right direction. What I'll say is this, and I'll conclude my argument. I feel like a lawyer right now. I feel like I'm Method Man in power. I feel like I'm Davis McLean right now, okay? <laughs> but I believe that the plan was a step in the right direction, but I believe that you have to go all the way. I think that they need to make that tournament that they want to add to the NBA schedule. They need to make that tournament be towards the end of the year. And you still have the play-in for the teams that are like wild cards. They're out the playoff pitcher that can possibly play themselves into the playoffs by playing the seventh or eighth seed. Whoever wins that seven or seven or eight seed game, like if it's the eighth seed, like how um, the Warriors were the eighth seed, they lost to the Lakers. They now play the winner of the nine versus ten seed, and whoever wins that gets that gets that final spot. And who and then and then the person that that, that wins that seven eighth seed, they become the seventh seed. I like that, even though people don't like it. I like it. So you need to do a tournament where possibly you have the top two seeds of each conference, they're protected. They have almost like a bye. Like, they're protected. So if the Warriors and the Suns in the West, they're the top two teams. And then you have, let's say, the Bulls and the Nets. The Nets get it together. Maybe Kyrie gets vaccinated. No, he won't. That's just a hypothetical example. Let's say they all get it together. They're the top two seeds. So the Suns, the Warriors, the Bulls, and the Nets, they're protected. They are the top two seeds. But every seed below that is up for grabs. Just like the wild card format in the NFL. You have, a end, you have an end of the year tournament, one game, where you have the three seed versus the four seed playing for that. The five seed versus the six seed. If the six seed wins, they get the fifth seed. If the four seed wins, they get the third seed. And you have that sense of urgency, and then you have the play-in. Because it gives you a little bit more of a sense of urgency, some drama going on. It, it, it makes the basketball players get up. And, yeah, you can give them money, but you have to make that tournament something that has real implications. You changed the All-Star game, and you gave it that format. And, and, and also in reaction to Kobe passing away, you had it where the fourth quarter, there's no time limit. The team that, that gets to 30, basically 35 wins, and that was fun. That was cool. Now, last year was a blowout, but that was cool. Right? And then, yeah, you had the All-Star draft. That was cool. And it sort of saved the All-Star game. Made it not boring. So now you have to do the same thing for the regular season because you're paling in comparison to the NFL. That tournament can't just be, we're going to try something out. That tournament has to have implications on the game. It has to have implications on the game. So I, I, I think that you just have to fix it 
You have to make that tournament matter, and you have to give the regular season some type of implication. And I'm, I don't think you should shorten the regular season. I like the 82-game structure, but these guys are bored, I guess. And I, I, maybe it's covid Maybe it's how the how the season has been ever since 2020 with the COVID shutdown, then the shortened season and the bubble, and then coming back for the 72-game season. Now it's basically the third year, and they're back to back to back to back, and maybe it's injuries, fatigue. Maybe it's that. But the sense of urgency in the NBA is gone. And as we're honoring Kobe on the two-year anniversary of his passing, one thing about Kobe is that he always had intensity. He always left everything on the floor. And that is the reason why the lack of that, the lack of that Mamba mentality is the reason why the NFL is the number one sport in America. And if the NBA can never dream of getting back there, they need to create a sense of urgency in their players and create games in the regular season that have stakes. We can't wait to the playoffs, ladies and gentlemen. And Michael Jordan walking through that door where, where you get 26 million people watching the NBA Finals, 30 million people watching the NBA Finals. I'm sorry. It's not 1996. It's not 1998. Michael Jordan ain't walking through that door. Social media is here. And the NFL is going to be straight for years to come. And we talk about it in post sports. Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, and I'm pretty sure Mac Jones is going to get right. I'm pretty sure that Trevor Lawrence is going to get right. With quarterbacks, the future is bright. And we have a bright future too. Trey Young, John Morant, Luka Dantich. Giannis is still young. Embiid is still young and getting there. We still have a few more years left of KD and Steph. And LeBron is, 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 is closing his career. But who knows? LeBron still be playing at this level for the next couple years. So we have stars and we have potential. But we need to raise the stakes. That's all I have to say on that. So I'm going to go on and end there, all right? I rest my case, Your Honor, all right? I really feel like a lawyer. I'm prosecuting this case, all right? But listen, let's get back to Kobe. Um, I want to play the tribute that I did to Kobe Bryant on last year. Uh, man, it was, I'm telling you, it, it just it, it still affects me to this day. Like, I, at some, time, some points in time, I watched basketball, and I still think, like, dang, man, Kobe's gone. You know? We lost a great basketball mind because let's not forget that Kobe was doing detail inside the mind of Kobe Bryant. And I know that ESPN made it where now you have other players that do it for basketball and then Peyton Manning started to do it for football. But I just, I just would love to get Kobe's mind, his mentality, and his look at basketball. Like, it was just so amazing. And, and, and we lost someone that was going to be an elder statesman. He already was an elder statesman, but he was going to emerge into what Magic Johnson is now what Bill Russell is now. That was what Kobe was going to be, but his life was tragically taken. And whenever we think about Kobe, we always remember that nothing in life is promised and that you must make your impact on the world while you're still here. So ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening. And to end off the podcast, this is my tribute to Kobe Bryant. Make sure to follow Pulse Radio 100 on Instagram, on TikTok, on Twitter, and just Pulse Radio on YouTube. And I'll see you on the other side. Yes, uh, today's Randall's thoughts is different and it's going to be tough to do this one because there's so many emotions that's going into this one. Um, as I'm doing this, uh, this is the anniversary of uh, the passing of Kobe Bryant. Uh, he passed away on January the 26th, 2020. Um, when Kobe 
played for the Lakers, I wasn't the biggest fan. I rooted against him often as a LeBron fan. And you know, I root for the Celtics, the 08 finals. But, you know, I always respected his work ethic, his acumen, his intelligence on the basketball court. And as I grew older and in my time in college at Fort Valley State University, I really started to identify with Kobe's mentality. He called that Mamba mentality. I remember I just graduated last year, um, December 2019. Things were looking up for me. Um, I was traveling with National Black College Alumni Hall of Fame, and I got the opportunity to go to my first, you know, national HBCU function, which was the Battle of the Bands. I had an amazing time. We did recruitment. I met a lot of different student leaders that we spotlight uh, on social media. And it was an amazing time. And I was so tired that I didn't even get a chance to see my favorite player, LeBron James, play against my favorite team, the 76ers, and see him pass Kobe's record in scoring. I woke up and I was thinking about Kobe on the 26th. I was like, you know, I wonder how Kobe feels about it. But I'm like, he probably is great about it because he has a lot of respect for LeBron and LeBron is carrying the mantle. And I saw what he posted on his social media, like, you know, keep pushing the game forward. I was on the phone. I was on several phone calls that afternoon, getting ready for the Mr. HBCU competition and getting things squared away with Pulse. When my guy, Ryan Thurman, who's Mr. Fort Valley, um, he told me the news after we got off the phone that Kobe had died. I couldn't believe it. it I just I, I just didn't want to accept. It. I'm like, man, it's probably fake. They just be saying different stuff. But we got the confirmation from reliable, verified sources that Kobe had passed away. And I went through just all the stages just of of grief and sadness. First, I didn't accept it. Then I started to accept it and it started to become real to me. Then I felt anger at people trying to bring up negative things about Kobe's life. And then also just put out a whole bunch of fake and false news of Rick Fox being on the helicopter and all these other different things that happened that just simply were not true. And I attacked back on Pulse. We posted about it. I went to the house. I saw my dad was broken up about it. My dad being my hero, showing me what being a man is. My dad was felt that. My brother felt it. My mom felt it. I look on TV. Stephen A. Smith, who's been a hero to me from a journalistic perspective, he was broken up. What got really got me is seeing LeBron, my favorite athlete, he, get off, he gets off the plane. He, they learn about the passing of Kobe. And you see just LeBron crying. You see the Lakers, just the players that were getting off of the plane, coming back from Philadelphia. They had just talked to Kobe, and they were broken up by it. The next day, I turned on sports TV. I always watch sports TV just to keep my media acumen together. I try to study them and how they do things, how they carry things. And I couldn't watch it. I found myself... Just crying. I started, I just broke down crying. It didn't happen the day before, but I just broke down because it was just was so unfortunate what happened to him and Gianna. And it it made me reckon with what was I put on this earth to do, and if I was really achieving it. And I wrote an article about it. But just looking at the passing of Kobe and the impact of Kobe a year later, I think that we all want to achieve the level of success that Kobe has accumulated. And of course the level of money, but we don't look at the hustle and the work ethic and the attention to detail and the don't quit attitude that Kobe displayed all throughout his life. And that's what should power us. 
That's what should motivate us. I keep a piece of coffee with me every day. There's this video that I watch that always motivated me about just the mentality of Kobe Bryant and how he became great. And it's called Greatness Has a Cost. And as I move through this day and as I remember Kobe and the impact he made on my life, I'm going to remember that greatness has a cost and to always keep pushing and keep going because one day, if you continue to push towards your dreams, great things are going to happen. I thank Kobe for being the epitome of that and for motivating me in so many ways and for touching so many people. And I know that we're still grieving. We're still hurt. But just know that we have to be there for each other and we have to do what Kobe did. We have to use our time on this earth to make an impact and shape the course of history. And that's just my thoughts on, on today.